0: What's up guys? Welcome back to the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler and with me today on the other end of the line is my co-host Curtis. And on today's show, what we're going to do is we're going to examine some of the projections from the ubiquitous preseason football magazines that are now currently flooding the newsstands this time of year. And I don't know about you guys, but for me, when you start to see these magazines everywhere... It's kind of the sign that football is just around the corner. So what we're going to do, going to do today is we're going to take some of the, the Georgia-related projections in these magazines and kind of discuss whether we are buying or selling what they had to say about our Bulldogs heading into the 2018 season. But first, I want to make sure that everyone knows you can follow us on Twitter at Glory_UGA. Love to get your thoughts on the show and everything else going on in the world of Georgia athletics. Also, make sure that everyone knows where to find the show. Clearly, you are listening to us somewhere somehow. But I want to make sure that you guys know that DollsportsRadio.com will be the first place to look for us where we got started. Oh, man, three, four years ago now. It's been a while. Um, but you can check us out there. You can also download Dawesports Radio app straight to your smartphone. There's a bunch of uh, Georgia-related content there. You can listen to our shows, a couple other features as well that you guys can listen to. It's a really good place to look to if you're trying to find some Georgia-specific content. Uh, but if you prefer SoundCloud and iTunes, you can definitely find us there. You can find us on the Stitcher and TuneIn apps as well. And if you get a chance, it would be great. We'd really appreciate if you could take just a second out of your day to rate and review the show on whatever platform it is that you do like to listen to us on. Uh, we really do appreciate those of you who have done so, and it kind of helps us as we continue to try to grow the show here. All right, well that out of the way, let's go ahead and dig into today's show. And we're going to start by looking at a quote from Lindy's Magazine. Uh, Lindy's – I don't really buy these magazines anymore. Actually, when I was uh, – uh, preparing for today's show what i did is i went into a kroger and just found uh different copies of these ma- of these magazines and just took pictures of different segments and features where they talked about us and just went home and looked at the pictures and just kind of created our agenda here for the show but i don't buy these anymore i used to when i was a kid man when i was in college i would buy uh, I buy athlons a couple years. I bought Phil Steele, but Phil Steele, I, I don't know. He, I, I don't really feel that guy really understands football all that much. Uh, but Lindy's is one that I never really bought, just never really got into Lindy's. Whatever. He's nothing against them, it's just not what I bought. But uh, we're going to start with them today. And one of the features that I always liked from any of these magazines was the opposing coaches feature because I respect what coaches have to say. Those are the guys that live this each and every day, and I, I respect them. Um, their minds in terms of it being football minds a lot more than these guys who actually put the magazines together. So it's one of the first places my eyes always went when I did buy these magazines. So open up a Lindy's magazine, and with their opposing coaches feature, one of the first things they had to say was this. I don't think Georgia took that big of a hit on defense. They lost Roquan Smith, but the rest of the guys were okay players. I ain't buying that they lost much on defense. So that's from an opposing coach from last year's team. So, Kerr, are you buying or selling that comment there, that we didn't lose that much on defense when you factor it all in?
1: Um, I've actually said I'm buying it. I think the biggest reason is um, we've all said that while we lost some experience, we didn't lose talent other than Roquam and I, and I think that's one of the biggest things once we get our guys in like Richard LeCount some of these other players once you get them a couple games in, to where their communication and you know they get the experience in there I think it's a more talented group all around than what we've had last year I mean we'll miss people like John John Atkins up front and stuff but realistically especially in the secondary which is our biggest weakness last year we're losing some players that had a lot of experience but I think we're replacing them with more talented players that can make up for some some of the deficiencies in the experience category.
0: I agree with you here, man. I know this uh, is kind of blasphemous for a lot of people, and look, and by saying this, I don't want this to sound like I'm trying to bash the guys that we had last year, I'm not. I, I oh, love not and appreciate I just, those guys. Yeah,
1: nothing against those players. I mean, sometimes you just have better
0: players. And I'm just trying to be obje- as objective as possible, so I'm not using this as a way to slam or attack any of our guys that we had last year that have moved on. Uh, I'm not. I appreciate beyond words what those guys did for us and the sacrifices they made, and and all that stuff. And they, these guys worked hard for us, and did a lot of great things. They were great teammates, great leaders, and, and really good players. But I'm going to buy it as well because I'm with you. I just, and we have talked about this before. I we're just going to be more talented this year, okay? That's look. So to me, there's three guys on this defense that I think will be that we lost from last year that will be difficult to replace. I think Roquan is a guy that it's clear. Come on, we all know this. He's impossible to replace. That's not going to happen. No matter who we play this year at that position, no matter how well they play, will they play at Roquan Smith's level? No, right? I mean, that's not going to happen. That's okay, but but, but, that's, but that, we all know that. We understand. It doesn't mean that we still can't be a really good defense. I think Lorenzo Carter's a guy that we're also going to miss to a degree more so because of his versatility than anything else. The versatility he provided us allows us to a lot of different things package-wise, schematically. Uh, and I think we have some guys that can fill that role pretty well. I think mean, Walter Grant's a guy that you're going to see uh, try to do a lot of the same things that Lorenzo did last year in, in terms of you know, playing off the edge at times, uh, in, in the, in the uh, dime package, uh, in some cases almost like playing a stand-up inside linebacker, moving him around, doing things like that, moving that A-gap, playing out in space at times, covering. I think he can do things like that, but I just don't think – I will say, I, as as good as Walter Green I think can be, is he a Lorenzo Carter-level athlete? Probably not. No, I would say definitely not. He's not. I mean, you guys saw so, you guys saw what Lorenzo did at the combine. He's not that level athlete. He's a good athlete. He's just not that. So I think his versatility will be tough to replace. And you mentioned him, I think John John Atkins will be a tough guy to replace this year because we just don't have a body like that. I mean, it, now I do think the Atkins issue is easier to get around because you can just kind of adjust your schemes accordingly. But I don't think that we can run the same exact looks that we did with Atkins and trying to eat up blocks that. We, that we did last year, I don't think we can do that this year because we don't have a body like that. So I think those three guys, I think they're tougher to replace, but everyone else that we lost last year off this defense, like you said, I agree, will be replaced with more talented players. Now, let's be careful. Just because they're more talented, I will say, we don't know if that means they will be better or more productive on the field yet, but there will be a talent upgrade, right? Yeah, and and that's
1: the thing. I think the big the big point of this coach's view is that it's not that we're not losing that much on defense compared to what people claim they are. Yeah, I think it's people exactly
0: over. Like, it's it's overkill it. talking about what we're losing. I mean, look at Devin Bellamy. Okay, and look, Devin was he had some huge plays for us last year, particularly in the Notre Dame game with the with the sack fumble, uh, also in the SEC title game against Auburn with the sack fumble. This has has some huge moments for us. But Devin Bellamy, guys, I don't know if you realize this, never had more than five sacks in one season. Never. And he was often very undisciplined in playing the run. And then if you look at last year, I mean he lost more and more playing time to DeAndre Walker as the season wore on. The second half like a lot of people ask me, you know, you know, what was the difference in the second half of the Rose Bowl game? Like how, like what did we do to kind of change it up in the second half to be able to kind of slow down the Oklahoma offense? And one of the things that we did is we played DeAndre Walker a heck of a lot more. Because he was a, he's a better athlete on the field. And that wasn't the only thing we did, but that was one of the things we did. And you saw that more and more as the season wore on. So, you lose Davin Bellamy, but DeAndre Walker in his place? I I think, is that, could you reasonably say there's going to be an upgrade there, reasonably? I I, I really do think there
1: are, because, I mean, Bellamy is a little bit bigger body, but he never used it to be the lockdown stopping the
0: run like he should have been. Yeah, I mean, he had what it took to do it. He did it plenty of times. It wasn't like he was a terrible player. It's just there were too many times we got undisciplined and and cut inside and just lost containers, did things that a, a, a redshirt senior should never do. Uh, then Dominic Sanders. Look, good God. I mean, Dominic Sanders, what a what a, what a guy. What an ambassador for your program. What, this is the kind of guy you want on your team. He's this that kind of dude. Never got in trouble. Never anything like that. Always leader from day one. Four-year starter. But if you look at it talent-wise, yeah, he tied the record for UGA Interceptions, but a big part of that is because he was a four-year starter. Like, from day one was a starter. So you're going to have more snaps than your average guy at that position. Now, I'm not taking any, too much away from him. I mean, I mean, look, he had to be in the, in position to make those plays, and he did make them. But while he did make some plays for us, what about all the plays that he didn't make in his career? Because there, there are plenty of those too. And a lot of that had to do with him just simply not being athletic enough and not being talented enough to make some of those plays. What about all the missed tackles? What about, I mean, look at the national title game? I mean, completely blown coverage. You know, I mean, that cost us the game at the end there. And then a guy like Aaron Davis, guess there's great versatility, but he's, he was limited athletically. Malcolm Parrish was, you know, you know I don't want to pick on him too much, really good in run support, but I mean, how many times did he get abused in coverage? I mean, time Almost every time. Yeah, time and time again. And then on top of that, just I mean, just putting put this question out, for all you guys who think that we're losing so much, there's no way we're going to be able to replace those guys and what they brought to the table. If those guys were so good and so talented and we're going to miss them so much, why didn't they get drafted? I mean, I think, I
1: think that's a very fair
0: point. why didn't they get drafted if they're that good and they're that talented? I mean, I mean so you can look, see, so Davin Bellamy did not get drafted, all right? I, I'm going to sit here and tell you right now, I can almost guarantee you DeAndre Walker, I don't know where he's going to get drafted, he will get drafted next year. Somebody will draft him, that's the guy largely replacing Davin Bellamy. You got Dominic Sanders also, not drafted. Richard LeCount, who's replacing him, when it's time, Richard LeCount's going to get drafted, is he not? He is. He's that kind of player. we we haven't seen what he can do on the field to a to a large degree yet, but we know what kind of talent this guy is that, that's in our program. He's just got the lights has gotta come on for him, and hopefully it will sooner rather than later. Aaron Davis, Malcolm Parrish, not drafted. A guy like Tyson Campbell coming to the program, yeah, he's gonna be young and experienced, but he's gonna get drafted. All right, he's just he's that kind of talent. So would we miss their leadership and their experience? Absolutely, of course. You, you can't. Re- that, that's tough to play. That, that's what we cannot replace. We cannot replace the experience. But with the exception of Roquan, I think it's pretty clear that we will have a talent upgrade on defense this year. Now we will have much less experience. But I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If I had to pick between the two, talent and experience. If I had to pick between the two, give me talent all day long, and I trust our coaches to get that young, inexperienced talent ready to play. And I think we're going to – I'm with you about the of backfield. I think we're going to be better than the defensive backfield. I also think we're going to be more explosive rushing the passer. The big question for me with losing Roquan and John Atkins is stopping the run up the middle of the defense. Do you still have a concern there?
1: Oh, I do, but like you said, that all comes down to scheme later.
0: Yeah, I think there's, I think there's ways you can scheme around that too to rebase on your personnel. Now, we're going to have to do that, and I'm very curious to see kind of what we do schematically. I'm not going to veer too far from what we've done. I would not be surprised to see a little more one-gapping – on the defensive front, because we have some guys that are a little quicker than uh, than than big, so I think that might be something that we try to move to a little bit more. But it'd be very interesting to see how that works out. But I just I do think we're gonna have a, a, a better defensive backfield, more talented defensive backfield, more explosive pass rushers, and I, I think we're gonna find a way to make this defense. Like honestly, I think this defense can be top ten. Would, would that surprise you at the end of this year? This if this is a top ten defense. If they can make it
1: through the first couple weeks, no.
0: Yeah, I I, really, I think this defense has the talent to be a top ten defense when it's all said and done. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out. Now, the next thing here, this I was gonna initially going to start with this question, but I thought if we start with this question, it would kind of get into the defense and what we expect from the defense this year. So I'm going to go uh, – we'll go ahead and go with this one now. This is from Athlon Sports. Now, Athlon Sports has us ranked number three in the preseason, and they also project us to play in the college fo- football playoff against Clemson in the Orange Bowl. So, Carl, are you going to buy or sell – us as a playoff team in 2018
1: i'm gonna buy it and i think the biggest reason is i've always said if we can make it through the first four especially the first two sec games then i think we can make a run and i think the biggest thing that helps us is well like we've talked about our defense you know we've got some young guys but they're very talented um i think our offense is gonna to have to carry load but i think we have an offense that can you have an experienced offensive line you have experienced wide receivers you have um a you know, stable running backs, and then you have a, you know, a, a strong quarterback coming back and Jake Fromm. Um, and I think that's the biggest thing that if he, he, he'll he give us what – that offense will give us a break kind of and allow us to bring the defense in to where we can, you know, take the season on. And I think if we make – like I said, make it through those first two SEC games, then we very well could go into Alabama game undefeated where even if you lose – if, maybe if you lose, but it's a close game or something, you still, you still sneak in.
0: Yeah, I mean there's so many things that, that go into like but, getting but I'm into a playoffs
1: it. I mean I'm, I, it's not like I w- was last year we're coming into the season I you know uh, last year I, I would have said we'd be lucky to finish top
0: ten. I think the thing I think there's two things you have to look at when you're talking about can a team be a, a college football playoff contender. Number one, you have to look at the talent. Do you have the players to do it? And yeah, number two I think we do. Yeah, I think we have the talent to do it. Now there are look, we are replacing some guys on defense and there is gonna be some experience there. And we're gonna get to that here in a second. And the first couple of weeks, that inexperience concerns me the first couple of weeks. Because once you get midseason, these guys are they they got plenty of experience. That, that's not a problem anymore. It's the first couple of weeks that are something that can be somewhat concerning. But I think you just have to look at talent. And I think like, I'm with you. I think we have it there. And then number two, you gotta look at the schedule. Does your schedule set you up to in a situation where you can get to 12 and 0 or 11 and 1? Because realistically, that's what you kind of have to get to. And, like, and we talk about the defense. The common narrative is that we've just lost so much on defense that we're going to take a small step back. And look, we just detail why we don't necessarily think that's the case. Uh, and, and maybe we will take a slight step back. But I still think this is a top-10 caliber defense. Uh, the offense, on the other hand, I'm with you, Kurt. Like, I think this offense has a chance to be a good bit better than we were last year. And we were good last year, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, if, I think We had 435 yards a game. We were number three in the conference in yards per play last year. I think we can be better.
1: We, yeah, we. I mean, and it, like people think we're crazy You're saying that. Yeah, we lose. You know, probably the, the best duo in S, in
0: uh, SEC. Well, maybe call pr- well production teams. wise, that's the you but, know but the, but total think, yards. I mean, yeah, I think by losing them, I think and but we also gotta remember Fromm will be coming back into a full sophomore year. I think this. And quarterback is the most important be, position on the field, no doubt.
1: Yeah, and I think it sets up for us to be a more balanced offense, which may be even more difficult to stop.
0: I think we're going to be able to throw the ball more, and I think we will throw the ball more. And you saw that last year. We we put more and more on Fromm's plays as the year went along. We were, and you look, Think back to that Notre Dame game in his first start. Think about how we were protecting him in that game. There's no doubt we were. Absolutely. And, and that makes sense. Of course you would. You know, first start in, a, in an environment like that, in a huge game on the road, I mean, come on, that's crazy. But then you could see as the season went on, more and more we started to release some release a little bit more responsibility on the fraud, put it on him and he he responded and also the all season long you know ha, imagine being Jay Fromm. the conversation all season long was you know well you know if if Georgia plays one of these teams that has really good talent on defense and they have to throw the ball well you know he can't do it if they have to throw the win he just can't do it and the guy just kept responding he kept responding game after game never put up huge numbers cuz he wasn't asked to put up huge numbers but you got a returning quarterback and, look, if if Jay Fromm gets beat out, and we're just kind of handing Fromm the job here. I don't, I don't necessarily want to I, – I do think he'll end up being the guy. But let's let's just say, it, you know what, if he gets beat out and Justin Fields is the guy, well, that's okay. Because what that means is our true freshman quarterback is potentially transcendent at the position. Because to me, that's what it would take to beat out Jay Fromm. Would you agree there? Yeah. Like, if he's going to beat out Fromm, he's going to have to be, like, just truly a transcendent type player. And so if he's good enough to beat Fromm out, then, then you know – that's awesome because that means he's crazy good and we're going to be really good offensively. Then you got four or five starters back in the offensive line, and the guy that you're substituting. Getting now, look, yeah, Isaiah Wynn was a was a baller. We miss you know, I, I, he had a huge year last year. Obviously, goes in the first round of the draft. And so that's a loss. There's no doubt there. But you got four or five guys coming back, and the guy that you're plugging in as the fifth as the fifth guy on the line, the new guy is a former five star from the tackle and Isaiah Wynn. And not, and not, it's not even mention the multiple five star freshmen that we have coming, yeah, well. competing, pushing those guys. You know, so you yeah. got the you got the depth there. And then receiver, you got three of the top four receivers coming back, and one of those guys, Mikko Hardman, he's not going to be brand new to the position anymore. I believe he's set to have a big year. Yes, we lose Sony and Nick. You mentioned that, like that. That's tough, right? But. You got DeAndre Swift, who averaged over 7 yards a carry last year and also had the highest percentage of carries in the SEC last year that went for 10-plus yards. 22.5% of his carries, almost a fourth of DeAndre Swift's carries last year, went for 10 or more yards. That's crazy. You got Zamir White. Now, yes, he's coming off the ACL injury, but he was the number one running back in the country coming out of high school last year. You also have uh, Elijah Holyfield and Brian Heron, who have both shown the ability at separate times to be very good backs. And then, oh, by the way, you also have James Cook, who's another top 50 player nationally, who's coming in as a freshman, who can kind of fill that DeAndre Swift role from last year and free Swift up to do some of the more of the heavy lifting. So talent-wise, like, yeah, right? Like, we have it. Now, does yep. that mean it's going to play out on the field that way? I don't know. Like sometimes people just don't show up, man. It just happens. There's there's some tough teams on our schedule, but look, talent wise, we have the ability to take ourselves to the college playoffs. And from a schedule perspective, I think if we can finish twelve and zero or eleven and one, and then play in the SEC title game and then win it again, we're we're in, right? If you go eleven and one and you win the SEC title, is there any way you're left out? There's no way, and I think that's a very realistic possibility. And even Bama showed last year; you don't necessarily have to win the SEC or even play in that title game. Because, but that, now that's due to some fortuitous circumstances. You can't really count on that every single year. No, you but don't be, you don't want to be banking on that coming year. No, you you want to have you want to you want to keep it in your hands. Like you want to hold your own destiny in your hands. Like you don't want to put it because, like you in that case, you're kind of counting on other teams, other conferences to help you out. And you don't want to, you can't count on that. And if you look at our schedule, I don't know, like. It has pitfalls, right? Of course. I mean there there are some pitfalls, but I also say it's not daunting either. I mean it's an SEC schedule, but it's not overly daunting. Uh, yeah, but you don't have another Dame on the road this year. Yeah, we yeah, you don't have the big out of conference game on the road that could that could that you could slip up and like if you're looking at our schedule, like where are those pitfalls that you know, could potentially trip up? I've always said just week two and four. Yeah, it, as absolutely. As well. I think if we can get out of September undefeated and win at South Carolina, win at Missouri. I feel like we have a legit shot to get the title game. And if, if we get to the title game at 11 and one or at least 11 and one then we have a shot to get ourselves in the Control playoffs. It's a one game it's a one game playoff right there, man. It's just the title game. So if you get yourself there, you gotta you got a shot, man. So absolutely I'm gonna buy this. Like we I'm not gonna sit here and say like a hundred percent like yes, go ahead, pack your book your playing tickets. We're going to the orange bowl, we're going to the cotton bowl, we're gonna be in the control playoff. I'm not saying that right now. But what I would say is at this point, we have a very realistic chance to do that, and it would not – like, you'd be crazy, I think, to be surprised if we ended up in that spot. Now, will we Will we indeed be in the playoffs? Like, I, I can't sit here and say right now 100% yes, but look, like, I, I, I would not be remotely surprised at all. I think what it's going to come down to for us is can our young talent on defense grow up quickly and be ready from the get-go in the the SEC title game? Can we finally get over the Bama hump? If we do, we're in. So, yeah, I don't think that's too much of a stretch. Uh, The next question here, also we're going to stick with Athlon Sports here for a minute. Actually, for the next couple questions, Athlon. Athlon, uh, again, Athlon Sports. So this one is interesting. I'm curious to get your take on this. Athlon Sports lists Jake Fromm as the fifth best quarterback in the SEC. When you look at their rankings, they do the position rankings, they have Jake Fromm listed as the fifth best quarterback in the SEC. I don't know. I mean, Kurt, are you buying? I mean, this is what they have. They had the Alabama quarterback situation because they don't know who it's going to be. So you're saying Hertz or Tonga-Vailoa, number one, Drew Locke at number two, Jarrett Simmons number three, and Nick Fitzgerald at number four. Are you buying or selling Jake Fromm as the fifth best quarterback in in the SEC, coming into this season? Um, I'm honestly selling it. I would honestly put Fromm
1: at third. I, I, I would probably take uh, um, Drew Locke instead of ahead of him. But I think the Alabama thing and the Nick Fitzgerald, Nick Fitzgerald's an a- absolute joke.
0: That's great. Um, when I th- saw that, I, I really, I, I was flipping the magazine and I started laughing. I was like, what? Seriously? Nick Fitzgerald? Okay, cool.
1: And, uh, you know, the Alabama thing, I mean, look at Hurts. The guy was, you know, he, I think last year's more anything was just who his offense was. I mean, he, he is all built around, I mean, their whole thing is built around all the other talent that they have to help them. You know, usually they have the biggest sure. offensive line, that road grades, everything makes it easier for them. You know, they have a long time to throw in the pocket. But does that make them a better quarterback? No.
0: Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I'm going I'm to take each of these guys and, and kind of discuss whether I think that, you should have Fromm, that Fromm should be ahead of them. Look at Alabama. Okay, look, Jalen Hurst is a good quarterback, right? He's good. He's solid, right? Yeah. Like, he's a good quarterback. But he's also very limited as a passer. He does certain things well. Uh, Obviously, he runs the ball very well. He protects the football. But the ceiling is just not there for him due to his deficiencies as a passer. Now, if you look at Tua Vailoa, look, he's a talented dude. I'm not going to sit here and say he's not. Of course he is. There's no doubt about that. But the projections for him this year, given that they are based literally, literally based off of one half of football. Now, it was a fantastic half of football in the biggest of moments. But still, it was only one half of football Against a team that spent essentially no time preparing for him, right? So if you factor that in, I think the projections of him being potentially the number one quarterback in the league and a Heisman candidate—could you not make an argument that's a little excessive?
1: I, I, I mean, I think you couldn't. I think it's just the the, uh, the Alabama, you know, name.
0: Yeah, and, and let me throw this at you. Look, now obviously I know, duh, that Tua Tagovailoa is unquestionably more talented than Grayson Lambert could ever imagine being. Okay. Let me go ahead and say that. But let me just make this comparison. Let's not forget that crazy things can happen in a one-game setting. Let's not forget that Grayson Lambert, for one game, for one game in his career, Grayson Lambert was the most accurate and efficient passer in college football history in that game against South Carolina. You remember that? Yeah. Still holds a record. Most accurate and efficient passer in one game in college football history. But did that hold up from game to game? No, now look. I'm not sucking. I'm not saying Tua is Grace Lambert. No, he's not. But to make up, like if you'd watch Grace Lambert play that one game at South Carolina, you said, "Holy hell, this guy's going to be a superstar." But clearly, that wasn't the case. So just to sit there and say of low is the next coming of Jesus Christ based off of one spectacular half, and it was spectacular. But to project what to, to project him as the best quarterback in the league off of one half of football. I just think that could potentially be a little excessive there. So I just kind of, I, I would caution people to kind of hold your horses there a little bit on him. And just looking at track record, Jake Fromm has a better track record in his freshman year than Tua Tonga more Now, yes, he got more opportunities, but I would still at this point, I would have Jake Fromm ahead of him just because of what, what he's done. Uh, now, if you look at Drew Locke, I, I don't know, like, I, I, I could see an argument that Jake Fromm should be ahead of Drew Locke. not that look, Drew, or Jake Fromm should be ahead of Drew Locke. Drew Locke has some serious arm strength and is, a fairly, is, a, is an accurate deep ball passer. But he's very much a product of that system. He has basically almost every passing play has a one-man or one-half of the field reads. If if you watch their offense in in action, there's only one-half of the field where receivers are actually running around. The other half just kind of stands there because they know they have no chance to get the ball. He, he so he's a very very simple system for him. It's basically he catches the ball, he reads one defender, he throws to wide receiver in space, or he hands the ball off. And then you have the what they run with the receivers. They have these kind of extreme plus splits where the wide receivers really spread out, almost like touching the sideline. And what that does is force the defense to spread out a lot and reveals coverages. And so he's got that advantage running for him based on the system too. He's a 54% career passer, 54% career passer. And he's got no nuance in how he throws the ball. He doesn't, he, he doesn't take speed off. He doesn't throw a touch at times. He throws the ball 100 miles an hour all the time. Now, he can throw the ball 100 miles an hour, and that's a, that's a skill, but that's all he does. Now, he had a huge year last year, set the SEC record for touchdowns. But even after that year, he clearly did not get the feedback from the NFL to where he was enticed to come out because they know he can't play in the NFL system right now. And if you're asking me just about any decently talented quarterback could be plugged into that Missouri system and put up big numbers. But you put Fromm in that system? Let me ask you this, Kurt. If you put Jake Fromm in Missouri's system, could he put up big numbers? Yeah. Absolutely. Because he's nu- But he's also nuanced enough to handle our system as well. I don't know if you can say the same thing for Drew Locke. I don't know if you put Drew Locke – if Drew Lock was a graduate transfer and he plays on our team this year, I'm not sure he would run our offense better than Jake Fromm would. Because I just I don't think he does all the little things the quarterback has to do. Does he have more arm talent than Jake Fromm? Absolutely. Of course he does. But in terms of doing the little things quarterbacks have to do, I don't know if he can do those things as well as Jake Fromm can. I don't know. So I, I think there's an argument either way. I think Drew Locke's more talented athletically. But I think Fromm might be the better like, quarterback. Nick Fitzgerald, like we know. I mean, come on. That's a joke. It's career 55% passer in a scheme that was tailor-made to his talents. When he, where he was facing one-on-one coverage consistently due to the threat he posed with his legs, but still only completed 55% of his passes. And it's so here's the thing about Nick, Nick Fitzgerald. And I, I had this number from last year. I kind of updated it. But when I did the Scout the Enemy uh, show last year with uh, Mississippi State, and if you look at the best talent he plays against, when he plays against good defenses, he's terrible. Again, in seven career games against us, Alabama, LSU, and Auburn, the four best teams he, programs he faces, um, he's got a career 47% completion percentage in those seven games, 146 yards a game, and only rushes for an average of 49 yards a game and 3.4 yards a carry. Against everyone else, he's a 61% passer, 85 rushing yards a game, 7.6 yards a carry. So, yeah, he he's one of those guys that beats up on baby seals. But when he comes against really good teams, he can't hack it. He just can't. Uh, Stidham, I think, is a guy that I would definitely have a, a, a head of Jake from. I, I think he's really, really good. He's got protocol size, throws a great deep ball. Uh, has a really good feel for the game, is functionally mobile. So, like, yeah, I would have Stidham ahead of him, and I think you could possibly make an argument to put Drew Locke ahead of him based on, like, athletic ability. But I would still say that Fr- – I would have Stidham number one, Fromm number two. Because I mean, Fromm's not necessarily going to wow you with physical tools, but he's a guy that just does every little thing right from the quarterback position. Now, he doesn't always make the right read, but he does the vast majority of the time. He doesn't have the greatest arm, but he has a good enough arm. And what he showed, the ability to recover and to diagnose things as a true freshman, I think was just so far advanced from your, your average true freshman. I think he's only going to build off that the next couple years here. All right, next question here. This is from a, an opposing coach, also in Athlon Sports. An opposing coach wrapped up his scouting segment by saying that, quote, Georgia is going to run away with the East. Nobody is close to them right now. Curtis, you buying or selling that? nobody's um, close to us
1: it, I think, I mean, while I think people like South Carolina and Missouri are good um, I think what helps them is when we play them so if we played them later in the season I really don't think it'd be that close yeah. uh, but realistically if you look at the talent levels across all the teams in the East it's not really close
0: no I, I, I agree with you I'm, I'm going I'm, to I'm gonna buy this too and just to kind of back up what you were saying with some numbers there the talent level if you look at recruiting rankings now recruiting rankings aren't the be all end all but they're a pretty good indicator right would you agree with that yeah it's a pretty solid indicator what I did is I went back into the last four years for each team in the SEC East and averaged out their, their average uh, uh, finish in the team recruiting rankings. If you look at Florida, they've averaged over the past four years, they've averaged finishing number uh, 14.5 in, in the final team rankings. South Carolina, 21st. Uh, Tennessee, 13 and 13.5, so like 13-14 for Tennessee. Kentucky, they finish on average 34th in the SEC or in the team rankings. Missouri, on average, is finishing 38th nationally, and Vanderbilt, on average, is finishing 52nd nationally in their team recruiting rankings. We, over the past four years, if you average out where we finish these the past four years, are averaging a finish at number four nationally. So if you look at the recruiting rankings, it's no contest. It, there's no contest that we have the, by far, most talented roster in and the SEC East. Now, that doesn't always, I mean, that doesn't mean you're going to win every game. There's upsets to college football. There's upsets every single week. The most talented team does not always win. But talent, having the most talented team is a pretty good place to start. And there's no doubt, looking at just the, the numbers there, that we have the most talented team. So I'm, I'm in total agreement here. From a talent perspective, nobody is close to us right now. doesn't mean we're going to win every game. But from a talent perspective, they're not close. Uh, all right, got another one here. Now, this uh, we, we kind of discussed this possibility in regards to Jake Fromm recently. But according to Athlon Sports, Brayden Gall, they, they kind of had this roundtable feature. that a couple guys. I guess they're three feature writers, And they were kind of just going back and forth, kind of a roundtable, talking about different topics. And one of the topics was uh, kind of a sleeper Heisman candidate. and uh, Braden Gall, one of their roundtable guys, uh, he identified DeAndre Swift as his sleeper Heisman candidate. So, Kurt, would you buy or sell DeAndre Swift as a potential Heisman candidate in 2018?
1: I would buy it. Just I think the thing that makes him so good is the fact that he's so versatile. Uh, You know, he's one of our best, probably if not the best, uh, running back catching the ball out of the backfield last year. And um, like you said, you know, the high percentage of 10-plus yard runs, I mean, he showed that he can be the home run threat um, also. So I think those two things added on make him a very valuable um, threat from the running back position.
0: Do you think he has a better chance than Jay Fromm? Because we talked about Fromm a couple of weeks ago. Do you think I he has a better chance? Because
1: I just don't know how... I mean, we're not going to be... A, like we said, with quarterbacks, you're either you know in a spread system that puts up crazy numbers or you're in a balance system where you throw, but you're also a type of quarterback that keeps the ball and runs it a lot,
0: which we aren't. Yeah, I, I, I think in our system, we're always going to feature the running back more than anything else. I, I think that'll always be the case. So be some, some years, like this year, I think we'll start the ball more than we did last year. It just makes sense with the receivers we have coming back with an experienced quarterback coming back in all likelihood. Uh, So I think it makes more sense for us to throw the ball a little bit more. But still, I don't think we're ever getting away from having a running back. Maybe not even just one running back, but featuring our running backs. So I think DeAndre Swift is going to have more opportunities than Jake Fromm would to kind of get his name in that conversation. I I will say Fromm has more name recognition and name value coming into this year, right? Is that fair? Yeah. But Swift, by the end of the year, I think – he might be considered more of a Heisman candidate than Jake Front, potentially if he has. Because look at we have some good running backs along with him. We got guys like Brian Harry, and we got Elijah Holyfield and Zamir White if he's healthy. But we don't have that that other like like, like last year, the past couple of years with with Sony and Nick. Like those two guys, like it's one in one A. Do we have a one in one A scenario right now? I don't think we do. I think I think DeAndre Swift is the clear number one coming into this year. I think he'll get more carries than maybe what Sony and Nick did last year or individually. So I think there's a there's a potential there, and look, it's just, we talk about this when we talk about what we talk about from like to win the Heisman, you got to be on a good team. It certainly helps if you're in the conversation for uh football playoff and national title discussion, which I think will be in that conversation. I don't know if we'll get there, but we'll be in the conversation. And you got to put up huge numbers. I think in our system, with him being the clear number one guy, I think in us wanting to run the football, I think he will put up huge numbers. I think we will be in the conversation, and so absolutely, I think his name will be one that's bandied about there. As a potential Heisman candidate, I would not put him as, as a guy that's going to win it. I wouldn't put him in the top three or anything like that, but from our, if you're looking for a sleeper, especially a guy from our team, I think Dodger Swift might be your safest bet there. I would definitely go with that. All right, so the next thing here, basically what i do, we're going to switch it up here a little bit, and we're going to look at where Athlon Sports ranked each of our positions, and we're just going to talk, I'm basically I'm going to tell you where they ranked them, Kurt, and you're just going to say, is it too high, too low, or did they get us just right in that spot? We talked about quarterback already, us ranked 5th. You and I both so that's too low, right? Yeah. All right, so let's look at running backs. They have our running back group ranked as the second best grouping in the SEC behind Alabama. Is that too high, too low, or just right?
1: I think that's just right.
0: I think that's fair. I think that's I think Bama I think clearly is probably a, a notch ahead of us. You got Damon Harris coming back, you got Najee Harris, you got some guys there. Uh I, I wouldn't say that we're too far behind them. But I would say that Alabama is probably the clear number one coming into this year. I think that's just right. Uh, wide receiver, I'm interested to get your take on this one. Athlon had us had our wide receiver, wide receiver tight end group listed as the fifth best in the conference. They had Ole Miss at number one, South Carolina at two, Bama at three, Missouri at four, and we came in at five. Is that too high, too low, just right?
1: I actually think that's just right. Um, realistically, I mean, you look at all those teams, they've got big, big explosive type guys – um, I think the only thing that they have to take into account is Ole Miss did lose some weapons. And also, South Carolina, while they have good receivers, they won't have Hayden Hurst.
0: Yeah, South—okay, they get Debo—so it's they lose Hayden Hurst, they get Debo Samuel back, right? So you lose one big guy, you get another big weapon back. Uh, South Carolina has some weapons that we see. you got Brian Edwards and you got Debo Samuel. That's as good of a one-two punch as you'll find in the league. So I can't fault that too much. Ole Miss's receivers are ridiculous. I mean, A.J. Brown is— Absurd, man! Like he could have gone pro last year. I mean, if he was eligible. I mean, he was that good, and just the body he has and the athleticism he has in that body. I mean, they, their receivers are crazy, it's been that way for years. That's not that's no surprise. So I have no problem one. I have no problem number two. Alabama, you lose Ridley. You got Jerry Judy. Uh, you got Devontae Smith. You got some guys there. I I have no problem with Bama being ahead of us there in that ranking. That's fair. Missouri, uh, Emmanuel Hall is really good. He's really good, but. You lose Jamon Moore, Jonathan Johnson's pretty solid. Like, I think you can make an argument that our receivers could potentially be better than Mizzou. I mean, would that be too much of a stretch? I think they have a better overall,
1: number one, but I think uh, across the board, we actually probably could be better.
0: And I mean, for us, it's, it, we have to kind of project for us. It's like, we have to project, okay, can how good could Riley really be? He came on a little bit in the playoffs, especially in the national title game. Can he keep that going and be a, a true number one type guy this year? That We don't know that. We're kind of projecting. Uh, Mikko Harbaugh, I, I think that he's going to be in store for a big year this year, breaking out in his second year playing playing that position. But that's a projection. We don't know that. Now, with Missouri, with a guy like Emmanuel Hall, he's been there. He's done that. He's been that guy. I mean, Emmanuel Hall was the best receiver on that team last year. He was better than Jamon Moore. So I, I really can't make too much of an argument. I think you could – now, if you look back at the end of the year, I think there's a chance you could say, you know, in December, that all receivers had a better year than Missouri receivers. receivers. I think you, have, you could say that. But they'll just have more opportunities too. So I think it's fair. I mean, I'd probably go just right. Fit sounds about right. Uh, offensive line, uh, number two, behind Alabama.
1: I'm actually going to go shockingly too low, and I
0: think the biggest reason is Alabama
1: lost multiple guys in the offensive line, yeah.
0: and uh, we're really replacing, you know, just adding one and subtracting one. I think that's the biggest and reason. And he's a five, former five-star.
1: Yeah, and I think, I think we have more experience returning-wise, in my opinion.
0: Really, whoever wins that right job, whether it's Cade Mays or it's Isaiah Wilson, who's probably the odds on favor right now, whoever wins that five, job is a five-star. Yeah. yeah, and and you know if if uh, Kendall Baker gets beat out at at right guard or at left guard, that simply just means he's getting beat out by a five star like Jamari Salyer or maybe Trey Hill. Uh, now he could maybe Solomon McKinley could jump in there. If Solomon McKinley, that's a guy that's got about a years with almost a years worth a starting experience. So, uh, look, I, I think you can make a reasonable uh, yeah. argument there that they could that we could potentially be the, the best offensive line in the SEC. I, I'm gonna say just right though. I think Alabama. I mean. Like Jonah Williams is a freaking stud. Uh, they are they they are losing more than us, but they've also. I mean, I don't I don't know, man. Because you would say they've been recruiting really well, but, but who, think, who's been I recruiting better than us on the offensive line? It's going to be bigger than they realize. I, I, I man, you're right. Because like you know, traditionally, you just say, well, Alabama, they just plug and play, right? Especially offensive line, they, they always have offensive linemen because they out recruit everybody there. But honestly, in the last two cycles, who's recruited better than us in that position?
1: I mean, they'll they'll get their five stars, but they haven't had more than us.
0: Yeah, I mean, like so. I mean, Andrew Thomas. Isaiah Wilson, Cade Mays, Jamari Sawyer, Trey Hill. Like, mean, can can you honestly say they've recruited better than us at that position the last two years? No, I don't think. I mean, maybe they can, You can say they recruited just as well as us, but I don't think you see say And say they recruited better than us.
1: I, 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 I think. Yeah, I think it's a toss up. We could either be two, could be just right, or we could be one. I think. I just don't think we're any lower. Yeah,
0: I think you convince me. You convince me. It's too low. You convince me. I think by the end of the year we'll say that Georgia the best offensive line in the SEC. I believe that. Yep, you convince me. All right, next one here, defensive line. This one, uh, okay. You guys know my concern about the defensive line. talk about that ad nauseum here over the past couple months. Uh, Athlon has us ranked as the fifth best defensive line group in the SEC. I uh, have Auburn at number one, Bama at two, Mississippi State at three, and Florida coming in at number four. Um, I'm honestly
1: going to say too low because I think, once again, as they have the last couple of years, they're giving Florida a little too much credit. Florida's lost so much, and they've not done well recruiting at that position. So I would probably slide us into the four position. I think the rest are in a pretty good spot, um, especially Mississippi State. You know, they've got Simmons coming back, and you've got someone like Chauncey Rivers coming back. Um, and then, you know, the other two, I mean, you don't even really have to talk about the other two. You know it. So I, I think we should slide into the four. I think Florida is a little too high.
0: Yeah, like I know most people look at Mississippi State and say, "How can they possibly be ahead of us in the defensive line?" I mean, but they are. I mean, They're I just this year. Yeah, this year, this one. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is a beast. Uh, whether he hits women or not, he's a beast. Uh, Montez Sweat, that dude's—he's legit, man. He's very, very, very good. You got, and you're right. Chauncey Rivers is going to be in the in the mix with him this year. That defensive line is going to be flat out nasty this year. So I think for this one year, I, I think yeah, I, I might have them ahead of us. Uh, Florida though I, I, I'm with you there I, I think it might be just, I would say too low I think we should also be in that four box okay Florida I mean CC Jefferson like he and they're moving to a 3-4 this year which is a, which is something that people aren't really talking about they're moving to a different style of defense they, Jabari, Jabari Zanagia is a good pass rusher if you want to Time on the defensive line there. Uh, Kari Clark and no tackle is okay. He's pretty good, but he's not great. And CC Jefferson is he's a senior now, and he's never lived up to that bill. He's been good, but he hasn't been great. I just like, I think our interior defensive line, I think there's some questions there in terms of like who's gonna step up alongside Tyler Clark. But Tyler Clark is a freaking beast, alright? Jonathan leb and let's not forget about our five tech guys. Jonathan Ledbetter is a monster. Alright? David Marshall is a really good player. Malik Herring, I think, is another guy that's gonna have a big year for us this year. I think he's really gonna step up and do some big things. I don't see Florida's defensive line being better than ours. So I think Bama, reasonable. I think Auburn clearly probably has the best line with Derek Brown, some of those guys up front. Uh, so yeah, one through three, I'm good with it. I would slide us in that four spot ahead of Florida. All right, they have us, and this is including outside linebackers as well, they have us with the number four linebacking group in the SEC. They have Bama at number one, Auburn at two, and Mississippi State at three.
1: I think that's too low. I think we should be at three. I don't think Mississippi State has more talent across the board than we do at our linebacker position. I'm not sure
0: Auburn has – honestly, I'm not sure that yeah, Auburn – Auburn
1: is a little bit of a stretch because, they're,
0: I mean, they have no depth. Yeah, I mean, look, they have some good players. I'm gonna be, I know the part of this is we're losing Roquan Smith. It's hard to replace him. Like, no, we're not going to be able to replace Roquan Smith. But it doesn't mean that we're going to not be as good as Auburn is in that posi- at that position. I mean, look, Deshaun Davis is a really good linebacker. He's not spectacular, but he's good. Uh, but that's really their only big time return. They got KJ Britt, who was a big time recruit a couple of years back. He's gonna be a sophomore this year, but he really kind of backs up Deshaun Davis and D- D- Daryl Williams is okay. He's pretty good. Uh, Mont- Montavious Atkinson, like I-, I don't know. Like Deshawn Davis is a really good piece, but is he that much better than a guy like Natez Patrick? I don't know. And if you factor in the outside linebackers, you look at DeAndre Walker. All right, you look at Britton Cox, Alex. I, I mean Alex uh, uh, Anderson. Can you like? I don't know, man. Like Walter Grant, if you throw Monty Rice inside linebacker. Potentially a guy like Quay Walker or Channing Tindall. I'm not sure that you can make that that Auburn has a better linebacker core than us. I, like I think they're ranked way too high in in that ranking. They have them at number two. Mm, I don't know, man. I I might slide us ahead of them. Uh, I think Bama clearly is going to be number one here. They're going to be crazy at linebacker again. They there's that's, like finding linebackers. Alabama just keeps plugging, man. They keep plugging at those two positions. I think it's too low. I I know we're losing Roquan. I think you can make an argument that we have the second-best linebacking core in the in, in the SEC if you factor in outside linebackers along with what we have on the inside. I really do. I think you can make that argument. Uh, then uh, the last one here, defensive backs, they have us as the number two defensive back group behind Florida. So the question becomes, is Florida really better than us in defensive backfield?
1: I, well, see, I think it's a, I think it's wrong with the fact that Florida's number one. If, in my opinion, I really – think you have to go Alabama number one um at the moment Florida all you talk about is how much better their DBs and the us are but once again they haven't been recruiting at that high of a level I think it's and I think when you toss in you know like we said with Campbell and stuff um you know I think two is fair but I just don't think Florida would be the one ahead of us
0: look I'm not gonna cry about us being number two I think that's reasonable <laughs> but I think you'd also make an argument for us being that number one Defensive backfield. Now, a lot of that is because we lost so much in the defensive backfield. You lose Don. That's what, that's what they're looking at. When they made these projections, they like, say, well, Georgia lost Dominic Sanders. Oh, Georgia lost Malcolm Parrish. Oh, Georgia lost Aaron Davis. So, how could they possibly be the best defensive backfield in, in the league? But again, you, you've you got to factor in who we're replacing those guys with. Now, they haven't done the field. I will say they have not done the field. But a guy like Richard LeCount, I mean, dude, it's, it's a talent upgrade. Potentially Tyson Campbell, Mark Webb. I mean, these guys are going to be young and there's going to be some growing pains early, but by the end of the year, I'm not so sure we couldn't potentially have, especially with DeAndre Baker coming back and J.R. Reed, who was so underrated, who was better than Dominic Sanders was all last year, and nobody wants to talk about that, but he was. Like, I'm not so sure. Like the two the, Basically, the two guys that were our best players in the defense the backfield last year, they're back this year, right? Would you agree with that? Yeah. I think with Reed and and, and uh, Baker, they're back. Those are our two best players in the defense the backfield last year, and they are back. And you're going to add in Richard Account, five-star player, baller, you add in Mark Webb, who our coaches are clearly very high on, and has the body. Now he's got to do it, but you know, I think he's I think he's got the capability to do that. And you got Tyson Campbell, a stud defensive back which runs a 10-3-9, nine hundred meter, I mean, just crazy stuff. I think there's an argument to be made that we could potentially have a better defensive backfield. Than I mean, like Florida, if you look at them, really, it's based on the fact they have two good cornerbacks that were from last year. That they're gonna be they're gonna be a year older. You got C J. Henderson on one side, and you got Marco Wilson on the other side. Those guys are good. But Chauncey Gardner is an average safety. He's okay, like he's okay. Like he, I, t- to me, he doesn't he does not scare me at all. You got Alabama, and, and there's still some some kind of position battles that are up for grabs there with Alabama. But like I, I'm not so sure we won't have a better defense in the backfield. And you got Siobhan Diggs probably going to take one of those corners. Uh, Savion Smith is a guy who's a highly recruited guy a couple years back. He'll probably take the other corner. Uh, but safety, I mean, you got maybe Xavier McKinney, Deontay Thompson. Who, yeah, he, he you know, he played in the in the national title game. But I, I'm not sure he's a, I'm not sure he's a he's a an elite type safety. And of course, you're losing Mika Fitzpatrick. That's a tough guy to replace. I'm not so sure we couldn't have the best games in backfield when it's all said and done. But I'm not going to argue too much. I think too, could be fair. Could be fair. All right, guys, well, that does it for us here today on the Glory UJ podcast. We definitely appreciate you listening to the show as we do each and every week. Uh, definitely check back with us next week, guys. Uh, one of the uh, one of the segments we run every single year, we always get a lot of positive feedback on, is our scouting the enemy series, where we basically go uh, from down the schedule from start to finish, and we basically just give you guys an early scouting report on each well, each of the Power Five teams on the schedule. We're not going to go over Middle Tennessee State. We're not going to do same, We're not going to do teams like that. But we'll we'll give all the Power Five teams on the schedule. We will give you guys an early breakdown, early scouting report of what you can expect to face with these teams. Uh, as we head into the 2018 season. So we will start that next week. And first up will be the South Carolina Gamecocks. So definitely be sure to check in uh, next week to, to listen to that. We love doing those shows. We're deep into studying the film right now. We'll have that ready for you guys next week. But for Curtis, I'm Tyler. As always, go Dogs.